John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through verse number 17. Let's read this scripture. It says, all scripture. Everybody say all. All. All scripture. By the way, when Paul was writing to Timothy, what scripture do you think he was talking about? Well, yes, he's talking about all of it. Amen. <laughs> That's a good answer. Man, I'd rather you say that than just maybe a part of it. Yeah, he was talking about all of it. But what scripture was written at that time? Just, just the Old Testament primarily, okay? So he's talking about all scripture. And then, of course, we know the New Testament now was certainly included in that. But all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. Guys, do you realize that the Bible is the most read book in history? Do you realize that? That doesn't mean it's the most lived out or the most uh, uh, book that people would, would live their lives by because we certainly look in our world today and we see so many people living outside of what God's Word says. But it's the, it's the number one selling book of all time. It's the most read book in all of history, and it's the most translated book in all of history. So God's Word is still alive today, just like it was back in, in the day that it was being pinned down and inspired. But I want you to look in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse number 16. It says, all Scripture is inspired. That word inspired means God breathed, okay? It's the Greek word pneuma. It's the breath of God that breathed out and penned these very words that we have today. So all of Scripture is inspired by God. In Psalm 119, in verse number 86, it says that all of your commands, God, can be trusted. So we have the entire Word of God that we are looking at today. We know that we can trust it. We know that it's been inspired by God. We know that it's the number one best-selling book. We know it's the most read book. It's, it's the book that's been translated more than any other book in all of history. But the question is, why can I trust it? Prove to me that I can trust the Bible today. Well, that's what we're going to try to do. Now, I hope and pray that everyone is connected into a small group, and those are starting, actually, I think the first one starting tonight. Uh, these small groups are kicking off this week, and I want you to be sure that everybody gets plugged in. You're going to study this a lot more in depth in your small groups. But today I want to talk to you about this very subject, why can I trust it? I mean, is this really the Word of God. Well, I want to share with you about six reasons why I believe every single one of us can trust the Bible to be the Word of God, and we can trust our life to it. Matt and Leslie can trust raising their kids in this book and in God's Word. Well, what's some reasons why we can trust it? I want you to take your, uh, your bulletin, if you will, and on the back of it, there's a place for you to jot down some notes. 
or if you have your iPad out or, or whatever, however you take notes, I want you to jot down just these six words or these six things that I'm going to share with you on, on why we can trust the Bible. First of all, I want you to see that God's Word is historically accurate. I mean, it really is. Yes, it is God's Word. But it also is history. I mean, you understand that whenever you read God's Word, that these people that we read about in God's Word were real people? They were real people. They were real places. They were, there were real things that took place. I mean, history just backs up what we see in God's Word. And we know that it's true. In Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 18, I want you to understand this. The Bible says it is impossible for God to lie because God is true. So what's it impossible for God to do? To lie. It's impossible for God to lie. Everybody together. It's impossible for God to He cannot lie. So what we have, if he says in his in the scripture that all scripture is inspired by God, God cannot lie. So everything that he tells us in his word is truth. Okay? How do we know it's true? Because historically it took place. Matter of fact, there's three things I want to give you about how it is historical. And I want you to jot these down. How do we know it is historical? First of all, because of the eyewitnesses. Do you realize that there were many different eyewitnesses? Jot all three of these down. Because of the eyewitnesses. Think about all the different eyewitness accounts. I mean, if you're going to try to prove something, the first thing you'd like to have is someone maybe that actually was there or saw the event or heard the story or saw the thing that took place. Maybe you have an eyewitness account. Now, if you have an eyewitness account and you take them into the court of law, that's a pretty valid account of what took place was true for the most part. Okay, I realize people lie, but here, God cannot lie, right? Hello, he cannot lie. So we have these eyewitness accounts. Do you know that everything that took place in the Bible is historically accurate? And we have eyewitness accounts of all these things that took place. You think about, let's think about the Red Sea. You think that really took place? The Red Sea departing and the people walking across on dry ground. Well, let's call our first eyewitness. You know who that would be? Moses. Guys, you realize there really was a Moses. There really was an eyewitness account of what took place with the parting of the Red Sea. You go on a little bit further, and now Joshua's leading, and they're crossing the Jordan, and they get to this big walled city of Jericho, big fortified city, and all of a sudden the walls collapsed and fell down. You think that story's true? Well, yes, because God cannot lie, okay? But do we have an eyewitness account of that? Yes, we do. His name is what? Joshua. Joshua was a real person that gave us an eyewitness account of the walls that were falling down. And then we think about, go fast forward to the New Testament. We think about the, uh, the crucifixion of Jesus and the death and the burial and the, the resurrection of Jesus. Do we have any eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, you, and sometime you need to go study 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And there you have all these accounts of all of these hundreds of witnesses that saw the resurrection of Jesus, okay? So you have all these eyewitness accounts. You have, you have Matthew, guess what? He saw all of that, and, and guess what he did? He started writing it down. I mean, you have Mark, and he started writing it down. You have, you have Luke, the great physician, and, and he started writing it down. You had John, and he started writing it down. These were eyewitness accounts of all of these things that took place. And, you, of course, you have Peter, and we all know about him. So we have all these eyewitnesses. What's the second thing we have that proves that the Bible is historically accurate? 
How many are familiar with the Dead Sea Scrolls and all that took place with the Dead Sea Scrolls? Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you everything about the Dead Sea Scrolls, but around 1946-47 is when they were discovered. And you know what is unique about the Dead Sea Scrolls? These Dead Sea Scrolls were written 100 years before Jesus Christ came to the earth, okay? Before the life of Jesus Christ. That's how old these Dead Sea Scrolls are, okay? And what we discovered when they started unpacking the Dead Sea Scrolls and looking at all of this, that there was only about, between the Bible we had at that time and the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was only about 5% of it that really didn't line up. And you know what the infractions were? It was mainly in the spelling of names. That's how accurate we can find the Dead Sea Scrolls are to the living Word of God that we have today. And so we can use the Dead Sea Scrolls and we can see that they validate all the historical records that we find in God's Word, which is another reason why I believe that we can trust it. And then, of course, archaeology. Guys, do you realize that they are discovering all types of artifacts? Matter of fact, when David Crow was here, uh, he talked about how he went over to the Holy Land and, and in our home he, he shared with us and he gave us a few gifts. And one of the gifts, he gave us a handful of coins. And, and these were, were coins that were thousands and thousands of years old that archaeologists had went over there and dug up. And now there's a Jewish brother over there that, that he knows that, that has his own business of going and just digging up these things and finding real artifacts. I mean, real places where these people were. And, and we see that archaeologists have discovered all this stuff. And I have in, in my collection a home of, of things. I have some, some widow's mots and I have some of the, the actual coins that, that they used in the biblical days. They don't use those today, but, but it's archaeology discoveries that share with us that what we find in God's Word is what? It's true. Why? Because God cannot... Second reason that we can trust the Bible is not only because it's historically accurate, but also, number two, jot this one down, it's prophetically accurate. Guys, do you realize that every prophecy in the Word of God has come true for those who have been prophesied up to this time? And the prophecies that are dealing with the future, of course, have not come true, but they will come true just like all of those that, that have come true. Do you realize that? I mean, there are thousands of prophecies in the Word of God. But let's, let's zero it down. Let's talk about just about Jesus Himself. Guys, do you realize there are over 300 different prophecies concerning the life of the Lord Jesus Christ? And all 300 of those have come true? All of those prophecies? I mean, prophecies like where He will be born? That was prophesied before His birth ever took place, and it came true. Prophecies of like how He would be born? I mean, where he would be born, how he would be born, prophecies about how he would live his life have all come true. Prophecies about how he would die have come true. Prophecies about his resurrection. I mean, all these 300 different prophecies that we have in God's Word, just about Jesus himself, have come true. And so we can trust God's Word because it is prophetically accurate. I want you to look in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. If you have your Bibles... Jump there, if you will, real quick. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21. It says, No prophecy ever came by the will of man. No prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's talking about the writings of Scripture here, okay? Uh, now, someone asked the question one time, Do we have prophets today? Do we? Well, the answer would be yes. 
we have not, or we have false prophets and we have not for prophets, right? <laughs> but are there prophets in the sense of new revelation and new prophecy being told to that? No, because we have the full canon of Scripture. We have God's Word. Matter of fact, it really wasn't a real popular job to be a prophet back in the days, uh, the biblical days. Let me tell you why. In order to be a biblical prophet in that day, you had to be 100% accurate. And you know, you know what took place? If you gave one, you may have given hundreds of prophecies that all were true and came to pass, and you gave one that did not come to pass. You know what they would do to a prophet in that day? They would kill him. I mean, right there, they would just stone him. <laughs> I wonder what would take place in our day and all these prophets that we have in our day, so-called prophets. Man, there would be no talking heads on the radio whatsoever. There'd be no talking heads on TV whatsoever with everybody predicting all this kind of stuff. You know, there are no God-given new revelation prophecies that are being brought today. If you hear anybody that says, hey, come hear me. I have a new revelation from God. Boom. Hopefully a red flag goes up. Right? Those are called false prophets. Those are called false doctrines. Those are called the occults. And there's many of them that are out there today. So whenever we think about these prophets, we see and we think about the Scripture and the prophets that wrote the Scripture, no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, Matthew 26, 56 says that, but all this has happened so that the prophetic Scriptures would be Fulfilled. So we look in Scripture and we see that not only is it historically accurate, but it's also prophetically accurate. Therefore, we can trust it. Another reason we can trust I'm just skimming on these. You could park and really dig in every one of these. I'm just going to give you the highlights of this. The third reason why I believe we can trust the Bible is because it has a uni- unified theme. It's thematically unified. I mean, there is one theme in all of Scripture. I shared with you this past Wednesday evening about how last week I went out to the parking lot and there was an O'Fallon police officer sitting in our parking lot and, and he was doing some work and I decided I'd go up to him and talk with him a little bit and I wound up talking to him um, quite in depth about a lot of things and come to find out he's a believer in Christ and, uh, and we just had a great conversation right there and, and we got to talking about the theme of the Bible and, and, and we got to talking about this scarlet thread that runs from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And you know what it is? It's called the bloodline, if you will, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The same, the, the theme of the entire Bible is unified. It is the same. And the theme, jot this down. What is the theme of the Bible? It's Jesus, right? I mean, Jesus is the theme of the entire Word of God. Guys, now, now understand this. Do you realize that the Bible was written over a period of 1,600 years, 40 different authors, three different continents, three different languages, and they're all unified to tell the same story. They all speak about Jesus. Matter of fact, here's a statement you need to, you need to understand or write down or get a hold of. And it's one I've shared with you often through the years. Do you realize that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed? And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. They complement one another. And what you find is the theme 
is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Someone did a, an illustration one time and said, what if I had a piece of paper and I had 50 different sheets of paper and I gave this sheet of paper to 50 different individuals and I ask you to just start tearing that piece of paper into whatever shape you want to tear it into. What do you think the odds would be if that we would take those 50 different pieces of paper that you tore into a particular shape and we bring those together, do you think it would form the United States of America? What do you think the odds would be that it would form just the United States of America? The odds aren't very good, right? Matter of fact, whenever you think about, now listen, over 1,600 years, over 40 different authors, three different languages, three different continents, they were all inspired by God, they were writing, and they give us the very same theme. Do you think today... Let's just say we take two people off the second row this side of the church. And we ask these two people, let's just use Gino and Angela. And we say, Gino, I want you to walk out of here and go over to the Connection Cafe. And I want you to write a little bit about, let's just say, um, NASCAR. Okay? I want you to go over there and write a little bit about the subject of NASCAR. Okay? Now, Angela, I'm going to ask you to take a sheet of paper. And I want you to go to the other side of the church and I'm going to give you both about five minutes, and I want you to write about NASCAR. Now, I'm giving them the same subject. I'm taking two people that live together. I'm taking two people that know each other. I'm taking two people that live in the same culture, speaking the same language, living in the same day and age and time together, and I'm asking them to write on the same subject. Let me ask you a question. Do you think I could bring both of those papers back, and they both complement each other 100%? No. You couldn't. I want you to try to get your arms around, if you can, how we have the Word of God that was written over 1,600 years, 40 different authors from all walks of life, three different continents, three different languages, and it all complements and has the very same theme running from Genesis all the way to Revelation. Guys, that in and of itself is enough to make me say, you know what, this has to be the Word of God. I mean, it complements itself. And the common theme is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. I mean, I realize this is an election year. And you have this party against this party, and you have this one saying this and this one saying that. But you know what? Even in their own parties, they can't even agree with each other. I mean, obviously they disagree with each party, but even within their own party, they can't even agree. Guys, we have the Word of God, and the common theme that we find in Scripture is the Lord Jesus. Jot this reference down, and I hope you're jotting these references down. In Luke 24, in verse number 27, it says, Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets... Now, who do you think that is? Moses, that's a reference to the Pentateuch. Well, what is the Pentateuch? It's the first five books of the Old Testament. So, Scripture is saying, Then beginning with the first five books of the Old Testament... And all of the prophets, who are the prophets? All the major and the minor prophets. So he's talking about Scripture here. Then beginning with Moses and the prophets, beginning with the Old Testament, first five books and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning what? Himself in all of Scripture. And then in John 5 and 39, Jesus said, You pour over the Scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them, yet they testify of me. So here we see the common theme in all of Scripture is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Let me give you a fourth reason why we can trust the Bible. The fourth reason we can trust the Bible is because it's been confirmed by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. 
I mean, he validated the scripture. People say, yeah, you know, I, I trust Jesus. And you, you ever ran, in, ran into those, uh, they're called red letter Christians? You ever ran, ran into them? They're out there. I mean, there's people out there that believe everything written in red. If you have a red letter edition of the Bible where all the words of Jesus are in red. And, and they're called red letter believers. How many have heard of those? Just a few. Good. Maybe I shouldn't even say anything. Because they're so far off the chart. I mean, they'll think, well, I believe everything Jesus said, but the rest of those cats, I'm just not sure I agree with all that stuff. Well, well, do you think Jesus confirmed the Scriptures? I mean, do you think Jesus confirmed and validated all of the Scriptures? Why, sure He did. Look in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 18. And He says this, He said, For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all things are accomplished. You see, Jesus said even the smallest letter or the smallest stroke of one letter will not pass away until all things are accomplished. He believed in the Word of God. And then in John 10 and 35, Jesus said that Scripture is always true. He's talking about all of Scripture, that it is true. And then Luke 11 and 28, he talks about and he says, Blessed rather are those who hear the Word of God and obey it. So we have Jesus confirming the Word of God. Let me give you number five. Another reason why we can trust the Bible. And we're, going in, we're launching this study into God's Word. And I just want you to see how we can trust it. Another reason we can trust God's Word is because of all its attacks. God's Word has survived numerous attacks over the years. It's a very unusual book. And it's a book that many people will target and try to destroy. But yet God's Word has survived. I believe God's Word oftentimes is the most despised book. It's the most denied book. It's the most debated book. It's the most destroyed book, per se, them trying to destroy it. It's the most disputed book. It's the most banned book in all of history. I mean, there are countries where you can't even carry a copy of God's Word into. Take North Korea, for example. You try to get into North Korea carrying a Bible out in the open. And I promise you, you're going to have some hard times. Matter of fact, you will probably probably be prosecuted, you'll be thrown into jail, and possibly even killed for carrying a copy of this book. We're so blessed here in America. And man, I think oftentimes we take those blessings for granted. You know, I've gone on mission trips to other countries and seen where people would love to just have a page, just a page out of our Bible. But yet most of us probably have many copies of God's Word just lying around in our homes, and we really don't even take time to read it. <laughs> I was in a training conference this past week, Thursday and Friday, down in Nashville, and uh, a friend of mine, Brother Jeff Manning, from down in North Carolina, got up and preached to us, and, and he was preaching to preachers, okay? He kind of were preaching to the choir, so to speak, and, and he was preaching about He said, preachers, I would be ashamed! And then he just shot across the pulpit, and about threw my microphone off right there. He shot across the pulpit, I'd be ashamed! And he was talking about evangelism and sharing your faith and to be called a preacher and a pastor and not be involved in missions and on and on. And guys, listen, I almost want to mimic what he, I'd be ashamed, you know, to be called a believer in Jesus Christ and you don't even open the Bible on a weekly basis or a daily basis. If you're here today and you don't spend time in God's word, you should be ashamed. 
Hello? Shame on you. Shame on you. You say, preacher, that's not very uplifting. I don't know if I'm going to feel real good when I leave here because I don't care about your feelings. Hello? It's Sunday morning. You sure you ought to preach? Listen, this is God's word. And shame on you. Shame on you, church. If we're not in this book every... I hope and pray God right now just convicts you over that right now. Shame on you. You call yourself a believer. You call yourself a child of God. You call yourself a Christian. And you'll spend more time looking at USA Today and seeing what Mitt Romney may be saying and Barack Obama may be saying. And you're not spending any time seeing what God is saying. Shame on you. Hello? Shame on you. This Bible has survived attacks down through the years. And it's still true today. And we have it today. I like what Matthew twenty four thirty five says. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Let them attack it. It will withstand every attack. It has withstood every attack that's come to it. And it will withstand the attacks of today. How many have heard of Lee Strobel? How many have heard of the case for Christ and all the other books that he's written after that? Do you realize this was a known atheist out of Chicago, was a rep- reporter for the Chicago Tribune that set out to disprove the word of God through his journalism, journalism, journalism skills. He said, I'm going to use that and I'm going to prove to the world that this word of God called the Bible is not real, that it is a phony, it is a fake, it is not true. I'm going to set out to disprove it. You know what he did? In his venture to disprove God's word, he became a believer in the word of God himself. And he said, you know what? I cannot refute it. I cannot dispute it. It is God's word. Hello? It survived all the attacks of time. And I guess the last thing I want you to jot down is it's transforming power. Man, God's word is powerful. And it has power to transform lives. I mean, I know people that were, were drunkards, addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, addicted to sinful lifestyles, that God's Word has transformed them, and they have become new people, new Christians. Jesus said in John 8, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, if you continue in my Word, notice it is conditional, if you continue in my Word, You really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I don't know of any other book in the world to where you read it, and it can transform your life. Completely transform your life. There's a lot of people make a lot of promises, but I tell you what, none, none are compared to God's Word. There's many reasons why we can trust it. And I hope and pray you've trusted it. And the final question I want to leave you with, and I've already alluded to this at the outset of this service today, who is the final authority in your life? Who is it that has the final yes, the final no, in everything that you do? You see, I know a lot of people, and listen, just let me say it. We're coming into an election year, and I'm not going to say you ought to be Democrat or you ought to be Republican, Republican I, I really could care less what party you belong to. I really could care less, really, what side you may line up with. But I am concerned that we line up with God's Word. Hello? There is nobody, there is nobody that can write a nation and transform a nation 
No political agenda can do it. Are you listening to me? No political party can do it. No paycheck can do it. There's only one thing that can do it, and it's the Word of God. And we've got to make a decision in our life. Who's going to be the final authority in our life? Who are we going to trust in? I don't, I don't put my trust in man. I put my trust in God. And just let me say this. I vote according to the principles of God's Word. I know I've seen people, I've seen people talk about how this one, this one will do more for me. I'll get more money in my pocket. I may even get a raise by this one. and I won't get a raise from this one, so I'm going to vote for this. Shame on you if you're voting your pocketbook. You need to be voting the principles of God's Word. You say, well, who should I vote for? I'm not telling you who you should vote for. I would never stand up and tell you who you should vote for. But I think you ought to look into God's Word, and you ought to find the principles of God's Word, because it will transform. Listen, it has the power to transform a life, has the power to transform a community, has the power to transform a state, has the power to transform a nation, has the power to transform the world. God's Word is powerful. And I'm going to vote according to God's Word. Hello? And we all should do that. We need to trust God's Word. And we need to elevate it to its proper place, to where it is the final authority. Where God's Word says yes, I'm going to say yes. Where God's Word says no, I'm going to say no. Hello? We all need to live like that. So let me ask you a question. Who are you going to trust? The Word or the world? Who's going to be your final authority in all of life? The Word or the world? Now, I realize stuff like this isn't real popular. Hello? But we need to get back to where God's Word is elevated. We need to lift it up. You, you know, I even have a practice in my own life. I don't set anything else on top of my Bible unless it's another Bible. I just don't like stuff sitting on top of my Bible. I don't use it as a coaster to put my coffee on. I respect God's Word. I don't lay a notebook on top of it. I carry my iPad, but I promise you it's carried just like that. God's, I just, nothing. And that may be too little for some of you, I don't know. But, but man, I realize, I respect this book. It's God's Word. And I'm not going to put anything else over it. And I hope and pray that you're sitting here today, and you're gleaning from God's Word, and you're living your life by the Word of God. And this study is going to be so exciting. Man, in this study, you're going to be taught how to study God's Word for yourself. But I want you to leave here today knowing that you can trust the Word of God. Hello? As every head's bowed and every eye's closed, please, and musicians are coming. And Where are you in your own spiritual life right now? Romans 12 says, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God... I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you may discern what is good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Guys, the only way that our lives and our minds can be transformed is when they're transformed by the Word of God. And then Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message about the Messiah dwell richly among you. Father, I pray, God, that this will be a day that we would drive a stake in the ground and we would declare that the final authority in all of our life is the Word and not the world. 
We ask your blessings, God, on our time together. We ask your blessings on the Word. We pray, God, that we would settle this in all of our hearts. May your Word be our final authority in all of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.